You're listening to Woo Sox Insight, presented by your Worcester Red Sox. I'm a little distracted. I'm trying to do this wordle, and it's really, <laughs> it's really beating me up. But hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Woo Sox Insider Podcast. As always, I'm your host, TQ, alongside Dylan McCaffrey, our wonderful producer, Dave Leonardi. And today, joining us is the voice of the brand new, beautiful Polar Park. It's the PA announcer, Ben DeCastro. Ben, how are you since the last time I saw you about 10 hours ago? Been a whopping 12, 10 hours and uh, doing good. Got a good night's rest, a nice ride home. You know, things are things are great. And I'm kind of jealous of your view right there, TQ. I mean, you, you look like uh, you look Trent Brown tall standing on the field. He threw out a first pitch last night. We're recording this on Friday. So he threw out a pitch on a Woo U student loyalty program college night on Thursday. And even from up in the control room, he is, first of all, very sweet, but an intimidating figure. He's just so big, the biggest player in the NFL. Yeah, he's uh, he's not small by any means. And it, it was, I don't know how old his son is. His son could be like six months old and that tall. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, but uh, his son uh, absolutely stole the show. That was great. I thought it was hilarious because we we always talk about how Casas is like a moose, and then I saw Trent Brown next to Casas, and it made Casas look normal sized, like a, like a regular dude. And it was I'll crazy. say I saw I saw a three shot of Casas, uh, Trent Brown, and our wonderful front office worker Alex Richardson, and Alex Richardson looked like you know a tiny person Casas, I thought stood next to Trent Brown, like pretty admirably. Like I thought that he would look smaller than he actually did. He looked, he looked like a big man. Cause he is. Yeah. I thought Casas was going to look a little smaller too. I think it just goes to show you the power and it, it's just, it's being a professional athlete is so far fetched of an idea for me as someone who's just average height. Like it's crazy. I don't, they must really enjoy concerts, but airplanes must be terrible. <laughs> airplanes so, and, and, and sedans. Yeah, airplanes and, and four doors can't do it. But so, Ben, you are originally from Rhode Island. Yep. You were the voice at McCoy Stadium for quite a while. Can you talk about kind of being from Rhode Island, working at McCoy, seeing people around there and what it was like to transition into moving into a new state and city that you really might not have been so familiar with. Sure. So I grew up until I was 10 years old. We lived in Pawtucket, my mom, my dad and uh, my sisters uh, until I was 10 years old. We lived actually less than a mile from McCoy Stadium, which was pretty cool because you know, my dad would come home. He was a farmer, so he would come home and, you know, some nights we would eat supper and he's like, hey, let's uh, let's go down to McCoy and, you know, we'll have, uh, uh, you know, take a, take in a few innings of the game and stuff. And uh, my grandfather, my uncles, you know, they would all we would always go there. Uh, so that was pretty cool being able to go there. And then we we moved a little further away in Warren, Rhode Island, where I live now. Um, and through just different professional relationships that I had developed over the years, uh, I'd become familiar with the organization. And in 2012, I got a phone call. I was sitting at my desk in at Cardi's Furniture, where I where I worked at the time. I was sitting in my office and I got a call from Michael Gwynn saying, 
hey, there's been a little situation. If you can be here in 30 minutes, you're the public address announcer tonight. <laughs> I made it there in 25. Uh, and, uh, you know, right into it, I literally sat yeah. down. You and, got five minutes to prepare. Uh, exactly. It was literally, they. I sat down, they said, we'll get you food later. Start reading these words now. And it was, and just, just like, just like it is most nights now, it's a cold read, uh, every time. So it was, uh, it was fun. And, you know, I did that for about five years. I was kind of the fill-in guy doing three or four games a year, maybe five or six. And then, uh, in the, after the 2016 season, um, the team reached out to me and said, Hey, look, the, the, the regular PA announcer, he's looking to make some changes and, you know, the spots open would you be interested in it? And I said, sure. And so from there, the rest has been history. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast and, you know, making the transition up to Worcester, was I heartbroken that, you know, it left Pawtucket? Yes. But as an employee of the, the team, Worcester was really a much better opportunity financially, uh, for the team. It was a much better opportunity fan wise, their whole new market, just the new stadium and everything, where Rhode Island couldn't get its act together, Worcester was 10 steps ahead. And, and, and obviously the synergy with the state and everything, which was really cool. And, and there's so many meetings that went on behind the scenes to get to us to opening day that you know, we weren't part of. But you could just see just in that group between city leadership, state leadership, and team leadership, you really had this good cohesive group of people working together. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what made it happen. And, and the park is beautiful. It's awesome. It's, it's so incredible to be part of. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the, uh, the road to, to Worcester. I still live in Rhode Island. Uh, you know, we, we're here because we're involved with foster and adoption stuff. Uh, so we still have to stay in the state, but um, it's not a bad ride. It's, you know, it's, I listen to, you know, Woosox Insider every Tuesday, start of the homestand and some other pods and whatnot. It's great such a professional plug for the podcast, but it's a great point you make about how much kind of goes into moving a sports franchise behind the scenes. I remember when the season got delayed last year, obviously everyone's excited about the Worcester Red Sox coming into the city. I grew up in all of my friends and family really excited. And they were a little disappointed to see that the season was delayed a month because of COVID. Um, but I remember we turned this into the alternate training site. So it was still players that ended up being on the Worcester Red Sox practicing here, all the coaches here. And I know Rich Gedman uh, met with the media via zoom and they asked Getty who grew up down the street from where the ballpark is now, how he feels about this place kind of sprouting up out of nowhere in a matter of two years. And he said, it's unbelievable. And the first thing he mentioned was, I don't think, uh, not to say casual fan, but I don't think someone who watches sports entirely as entertainment really understands how much goes into everything from a political standpoint, from a financial standpoint, neighborhood planning, uh, all of the fan plan meetings that Dr. Charles Steinberg put on and attended and took diligent notes for trying to meet with active members of the community to make sure that this is a place for everyone. And, um, I mean, I can't echo the sentiment enough that it was a tough decision. Charles was the last person who wanted to move and the last person who thought it would ever happen. Uh, but it was a tough decision. And it's this place is supposed to be a communal gathering point for all of New England in a, 
a little more centralized of a location for those coming from Maine and Vermont, New Hampshire, Western Mass. And we've seen people from Pawtucket come out. We've seen people from the 413 in Western Mass. I was talking to some fans the other day that were coming down from Maine. They drove two and a half hours to come check out Polar Park, see Casas, Downs, and Duran play here. So it's been yeah. it's been fun to be a part of. There's could you do it the ramrod approach where you know throw everything up in the air and just say screw it we're gonna go we're gonna do it sure you could but it's gonna fail and right. the way that the team has approached it the way that the leadership everybody has approached it Larry Lucchino at the day uh, that they announced the the you know the team was coming uh, I remember being there and he said you don't. My mother always, Larry speaking, he said his mother always told him, you know, if people don't want you there, don't go. Don't go if you're not invited. Well, the the, the town, or the city of Worcester, and of course, the, the state of Massachusetts certainly invited uh, the organization there. And uh, so that's what made it work. And, uh, and I give a lot of credit to you to Dan Ray because uh, he came up to me probably a week or two before the official announcement was going to happen. And he said, listen, he goes, you know, announcement's going to be coming. I just want you to know that no matter what happens, we want you with us. So if we stay here, if we go to Worcester, whatever, you're part of this. We want you here. And that was very nice of him. He didn't have to say that, you know, but, you know, seeing, you know, from that level, the GM, I mean, because again, I mean, I'm sharing a screen with, with three other people here who do far more than I do. I literally sit down, push one button and talk and... Uh, <laughs> It's, and you know, yet every time they bring a tour through, everybody's fascinated with my, my little station there. It's like, no, no, it's, there's other cool things here to see, but you see that from the top down and that's, that's what makes it, you know, a great work environment and a great entertainment environment, because that's, that's who it's all about. It's about the fans. And a story like this is only as great as the silky tones that are narrating it <laughs> in and out every night, first to last pitch, getting us through it improving whenever necessary my favorite my favorite improv moment was when we were doing the pies in the sky promotion last year and the cannon shot the the ball over the net into the visitors bullpen and <laughs> when the opposing visitors pitcher caught the pie the ball to win the, the ballpark pies you ran with it. You you, yeah. you 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 broke the rules, but you yeah. got everyone pie. I I think the line might have been that counts. <laughs> and then said everybody gets pies. The the whole you know we we talked about this and um, a, a gentleman who used to work for the team who's now you know moved on to uh, the Boston Celtics, Rob Crane. He he's he's shared this with me too. It's you know as employees, front office employees, you can't control what happens on the field, but you can control what happens in the stands. And I think back to one of my first summer jobs was on a dinner dance boat and you'd have families coming on for a four or six hour cruise to go down to Newport, Rhode Island. And, you know, that might cost them for a family of four or five, a hundred, 150 bucks. And for those people that may be their summer vacation. That may be the budget. Some people are very blessed. They get to go to the Caribbean or Disney or something. This might be for a person to come to Polar Park with their family uh, depending on the situation and giving the the economics what they are right now, we could be their Disney. We could be their entire summer vacation. So, you know, I take that very heavy when I'm doing 
the PA announcing, I know you guys take it very seriously when you're doing the in-game production of all the different elements, whether it be on Nesson, Nesson Plus, or in the field, or, you know, even just the accuracy, Dave, because, you know, obviously you get to sit next to me and, and run the scoreboard thing. Um, that is so critical, and it's we have to make sure that we deliver that that incredible experience. We want to make the best memories possible. So, you know, if my voice can help, great. And and if it's a if it's not in peak condition, like one night last year when I called TQ in the morning, I said, "It ain't happening." <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I can try. We can try for he, one night, or we can have a weekend of fun. What do you want yeah. to do? I, th I think he said you're going to run out to Shaw's and grab some lemons, everything, and, and yeah, just start everything. eating lemons. All the lemons. I'll buy the tree. But uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> but that's that's uh, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's a fun, and, I mean, it's not a fun scenario, but it's a fun scenario when you when you did say, uh, you know, I can't make it in today. We just look around the front office, like, all right, who's stepping up? Who's got the deepest voice? <laughs> oh, it's, I think we uh, picked uh, a good choice last year. Dan yeah. Diggins. Yeah, yes. Diggins. Absolutely. Much taller than me. Well, just pretty much everybody is, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we touched on it a little bit, and I wonder, I, I'm pretty sure fans must know at the ballpark, the unscripted stuff. So obviously our pregame ceremonies, all of that is scripted, but the majority of the game, it, it says like we get printed out scripts for Ben every single day. And then we have like mid one hype video, uh, end one wave. Hello to UMass and underneath wave. Hello to UMass where it would normally have a script. It just says Ben ad lib and <laughs> you just go. It helps doing it every day, obviously, but you just have this natural ability to, when the red light is on, or I guess the green light is you're pushing to talk yes. to just try to entertain people. And that's what it's all about, especially at the minor league level. Absolutely. I mean, Dr. Charles has said it before. We specialize in the hokey. We specialize in the unique and fun. And I mean, e even, you know, the, the production teams uh, have fun with it, whether it be the photographers, the videographers, the people running the cameras and everything, they get it. They understand what the whole point is. Yeah, we're going to take thousands of pictures of the guys playing the game. That's great. Um, but, you know, they also understand that we, we need to entertain as well. And whether that's finding the right shots in the in the crowd or or what have you or putting, you know, the right call to action or even the music that plays um, mm -hmm. that that all that all adds to the whole, you know, the whole element there. Yeah, and it adds to it adds to everything too. Even the TV broadcast. I know there are times a foul ball goes towards the first base photo pit, and we get inadvertently our content team: Brian Simmons, Hayes, uh, Nat Reed, Taylor Bolduke, Ashley Green, Ashley Lopez. We get all of those folks. Kate Foltz last year down there eating snacks or talking to a fan or doing something embarrassing, and then the broadcasters pick that up and can make fun of it too concerningly very rarely like shooting photos never <laughs> i have seen uh anyone catch a ball in there kate folds dropped too many last year ashley green took one to the ribs a few weeks ago uh i need to see some plays made we might have to supply some gloves or something i don't know <laughs> gotta keep That's an true. eye open outside of the viewfinder sure. exactly absolutely yeah i can confirm they're taking photos 
decal. No, that's I've true. seen the no, photos. I've seen there, 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 there is proof. There is photo evidence of the photos. We have we have some of the best photographers. Uh, you know, obviously sure. Kate, you know, who moved uh, to the West Coast, you know, over the winter and whatnot. But you know, that that team of photographers is is key and critical because the, the shots that happen uh that you see whether you're following on twitter facebook instagram uh tiktok yeah any like mastercard woosocks is everywhere you want to be mm-hmm. um it's the photography is is like second to none it just it, it it's dynamite photography it really is yeah and i know i really don't have too much of a grasp on it because this has been my first full-time job out of college i've stayed with this team the whole time kate has been there taking photos since i've been here this is the first year that i've worked for the AAA affiliate of the red sox that kate Foltz hasn't but it's crazy to think not every other minor league baseball team is like this they don't put the investment into the art of it and the photography and the in-game show and the tv broadcast they aren't investing in the artistry of it and the showmanship but ultimately and i can't thank Larry and the ownership group and Charles and Dan Ray enough for doing it. Cause obviously it got decaf. It got all of us to where we are right now, but that's such a crucial part of telling the story of not just the team and, but the city and the fans and telling the story of a hundred year old fan who came out here and sat over down the third baseline uh, on a Wednesday afternoon enjoying a 70 degree Wednesday on her hundredth birthday. Yeah, no, that, that, those are the kind of memories that are special that are, you know, just unique. And, you know, you hope one day you're going to have that opportunity to, to be in the fan in the stands as a fan at that point in your life, you know, uh, that's what you hope for. And, you know, you'll, you'll be watching uh, the next generation or two generations later doing what we've been doing uh, for some time now. So now my question to you guys is, you all, the three of you, played sports growing up. I played the accordion. Um, <laughs> how does that affect what you're doing here? Because I know that that greatly impacts your ability to kind of produce and and work in the game. That gives you an edge that I may not have because in the fourth inning, I'm convinced you can have a walk-off grand slam, but apparently that's not the case. So it's kind of funny because I didn't really get too invested into baseball as like a fan until like beginning of last season when I walked in my first day and TQ was like, Hey, like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I did like score pad, like four games at McCoy for like a trial run. He was like, you want to do that? And I was like, yeah. So then I kind of just did that until now. And that's when I really kind of got into baseball per se. But uh, I'd say I, well, because I do score pad, it's a lot of number stuff. So I, it's a lot of the little things I get really excited about. Like when there is an automatic striker, an automatic ball, TQ can attest to this. I will yell like, I got it. Automatic strike, automatic ball. Like I'm on it. Or like yesterday, there was a play where the pitcher like tipped the ball off his glove and it went to the second base. And he threw it to first. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a one, four, three. <laughs> like it's just the, it's the little but, things like that that I get. But really you played, excited. you played as a child, correct? You played T-ball or little league. I attempted. Yes, yeah, but you still you, you signed up. You had a uniform. Yeah. I never had that. I never had that with any sports. And so that's been a unique thing. TQ, you played in college decaf. You were scouted by the Giants, I believe. Oh, yeah. No, I could have gone pro. I got a bum knee. 
Um, but I, whenever, whenever it's true, whenever I train someone on a camera, I'm like, you ever played baseball? Like, you know, you get a guy on first base, like you gotta be ready for the double play. Like the, the, you see the players get into double play depth. You gotta be ready to turn the camera and, and, and shoot that. And you know, when a big lefty like Casas comes up, like I'm going to be ready if I'm on high home to go follow that home run ball on the summit street. Um, so it does take the, the situational awareness of baseball to work in productions. And I mean, I, in second grade, I, I, the whole class for Valentine's Day, we wrote Valentine's Day cards. Everyone wrote them to teacher, their moms, whatever. And I wrote mine to the Red Sox. And <laughs> my whole life, my mom is like, you know, I, I don't do my homework because I'm watching the games. And she says, you know, you got you to gotta study if you're going to do well in life. Well, mom, watching the games is what <laughs> got me where I am and what's getting me paid right now. So all that math homework was actually a waste of time. But memorizing the facts of every baseball card it's come through. If there are any kids listening, stay in school. Uh, no, <laughs> the math is also important. Uh, but yeah, I think I think playing, especially for as long as I did, helped me a lot. Kind of understand the game as second nature, where I don't really have to actively pay attention to if a guy is on first base and there's one out, and we're about to go to an inning break and have to do some between innings promotions in possibly one pitch I can kind of pay attention to that passively but what it has helped with what it has helped me with is when I look back at my baseball memories it's very rare that I think of a specific play or a specific score or when I think of having fun with all my teammates in the dugout I think of the relationships I built up over time I think of the goofy moments between me and someone else on the field where something weird happens because baseball is weird. Sometimes something weird happens and you have a laugh on the field and you don't really see that in a lot of other sports and football and hockey you are focused on laying the other guy out in basketball. It's more about finesse and trying to uh, get some leverage. And in baseball, you have this downtime where you see a lot more of the human element. I think there was a, a pop fly last night that was up in the middle of the infield and Fitzgerald who was playing third was converging on it. And Jeter downs playing shortstop was coming in too. And they're both calling for it over and over again. They're both calling for it. And I think it was downs who ended up catching it with Fitzgerald inches away from him, and it ended the inning. So right at the end of the inning, you think as a fan, maybe you're getting up to go to the bathroom, getting a concession, but about five or six seconds after the ball landed in one of their gloves. They kind of looked at each other, smiled, and then gave each other a hug on the field. And like, that's a, a cool and cute and funny moment that you might miss if you're scoring the game. Cause you look down to write P five or six, whatever it was, or you might miss if you're running to the bathroom or grabbing a Coney Island hot dog, but it's a, it's a fun and cute moment. And credit to everyone in the control room too, working on the in-game show for a lot of people the first time this year has haven't done anything like it before that they pick up on that stuff too where we did a replay of it and Jason Blumenthal who was our technical director last night on Thursday the 12th it was um, he said let's hold this replay through the hug and I was like yes exactly we want everyone to see it again because it was a great moment so touching back to kind of what I was getting to as far as you guys having such an intrinsic knowledge 
now you're challenging yourself to the next level. And I'm curious what that's been like, because Deke, uh, uh, you even said it like you know it. So it, it, it becomes, you know, this kind of like second nature. Um, what has it been like for you guys as far as communicating that to people who may not, you know, they, they've got great, you know, technical skills, whether it be camera operator or on the switcher or the different elements there. But for you, as far as teaching, I'm a terrible teacher. Uh, I pl <laughs> I've played drums my whole life and people are like, oh, can you give me lessons? No, because I suck at giving lessons. I can't. I, I, I and, and there's a lot of times where I see something TQ and you're a great filter because I'll say, look, this isn't right. Uh, you know, this something here is not right. It does, I, I don't know what it is. And if I say it, it's going to come out the wrong way, uh, you know, so but you have that finesse. What has that been like for the three of you as far as bringing up the that next team of, you know, well, let's face it. We've got people who were here with us last year on the production team who are now mm -hmm. at Fenway Park living yeah. their dream. So what has that been like for you? Yeah. So sorry, I have a beard hair in my mouth. Um, <laughs> so for me, it, it comes down to kind of two different elements. The first thing I thought of immediately uh, was a line from Ted Lasso that every person is a different person. So it sometimes is easy for someone who understands something to explain it one way and say, this is how we do this because here's why. And then leave it at that. But people are going to understand things differently. They might be a bit more of a hands-on learner. They might be more visual. They might uh, need a diagram. They might need to do it themselves and make mistakes. And I think coming up as a younger professional, it was kind of hard for me. I made a lot of mistakes and learned from them and got better from them. And it's hard for me to kind of take a step back, especially in a leadership role, to let other people make mistakes because they're going to happen. And that's sometimes the best way for some people to learn where others, you can sit down, explain it to them in a paragraph and okay, good. Got it. Yep. Moving on to the next thing. What else can I, what else can I do? Um, I tried to try to lead by example in that respect where I make a lot of mistakes that everyone knows it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great method too. I do the same thing. Well, um, TQ, you and you're TQ. Uh, sorry, Dylan, you're also dealing with it on the Nesson side because you do more of the the TV side of things. So you're you're not only dealing with the the team that's in the room. You're dealing with the the folks that are on the cameras. You're dealing with folks in another control room or at a hub somewhere else and timing and commercials and and there's just so many moving parts. And and on top of that, having the intrinsic knowledge of the game that you do. What is that, you know, what, what's the biggest thing you've taken away over the two years? Because, oh, by the way, you've never worked in this environment before at, at a control room because it was just only built last year. Yes, I definitely came into that control room with a lot of stress and anxiety about how I was going to live up to the millions of dollars of equipment in there. It's quite the investment to, to walk into and try and fulfill to the greatest extent. And something TQ told me that I remind myself every day is that if we show the people at home the baseball game, that's all that needs to happen. If we have one camera that just captures baseball, then we've done our job. Everything else is the cherry on top. So every time we can show the fans at home, like the origins of how a player 
came through the ranks and got here and educate them on the process. And whenever we can show them the fun and heartwarming stuff that happens in the ballpark and just teach them about baseball, that's the extra stuff that, you know, you show them baseball every day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like the back of your hand, you know, the Red Sox history and system to be able to come up with what the best story is to, to educate the fans. But it's when you can break away from those moments of baseball and give them even something more, um, that's the ultimate goal in my eyes, definitely, because uh, this is a great place to work and definitely uh, a lot of a high ceiling of that. We have so much great equipment and great opportunities that we haven't even reached the full potential of like what we can do and our capabilities in this right. control room and in this park. Yeah. Adding on to that, <clears throat> a lot of it, too, is that, you know, I've worked here part time for five years and a lot of it, too, is like the attitude towards the work. So as you guys could probably attest, I'm very enthusiastic about. I had no idea. Every single day <laughs> that I'm here. You're kidding. <laughs> every single day I'm here, I'm just happy. That, that's just also because, you know, I know I said I didn't really get into baseball too, too much until about a year and a half ago, but I was always going to Paw Sox games. My first ever game I went to as a kid, I was no more than six months old with my dad. You know, I went to one to 200 games probably before I even started working here. So I've always had a passion for this team and I've always taken great pride in the work I do. And, you know, I'm not full-time or in a position to really train people, but the one thing I can really teach per se is just that enthusiasm towards coming into work every day and just having a positive outlook on things. Cause you know, working part-time, especially in baseball and minor league baseball, what you're hired to do very well may not be what you do every single day. Cause there's always something to do. There's always a way to help out. There's always, you know, a spot to fill if someone calls out or something happens one day. So it's all just how you communicate uh, to other people. Like if you're upbeat about asking someone to do a certain task or go do a certain thing, they're going to be more enthusiastic to do it and also if you come into the workplace you know happy and try to you know spread that positivity can help make the room positive because you know guys like tq and decaf you know they're here dawn to dusk last thing they want is someone to come in at 4 p.m who was sleeping all day to already be a grouch the second they clock in you know so it's best to try and have a smiling face and just enjoy what we're doing because i mean you know i started when i was 16 and all my friends were working at like mcdonald's and grocery stores man i i still think i have like the best job in the world i love every single day i come here so i think a lot of it too has to do with your attitude and enthusiasm towards it and and, and we and, love having you every single day dave yeah and it's amazing dave because you know many people don't know this now that you're also you're, you're kind of switching roles too you're, you're running you know in the pregame you're holding you, you're doing our RF camera. That's the wireless camera that you see to capture our pregame ceremonies. People don't even realize that. I mean, you've got a doctorate in astrophysics. So it's like for you to do this is really very humble of you. And, and you know, we're very we're very proud of you, Dave, uh, as are the people at the group home. I don't have um, a doctorate in astrophysics. I'm still in college. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really quick want to jump to back to Dave's point, because I think at the start of this, answering this question from the three of us, I said there were two main points that I thought of and I got to one. And the second one is exactly what Dave was alluding to, which was taking a step back and getting some perspective. It's easy to get caught up in the whirlwind of 
live event production and a live television broadcast where there are so many elements to it, but being able to take a step back and say, Hey, you know what? Our cornerstone bank junior announcer, that's a really cool promotion because that's a once in a lifetime opportunity for a kid who might just be getting into baseball, a young Dave who might just be 20 years old getting into baseball for the first time. I'm kidding. Our junior announcers are usually between (laughs) six and 12, um, but might just be getting into it for the first time to get them up above the crowd and announcing a Red Sox superstar, a Woo Sox star, and then hearing the crowd erupt for them as they see themselves up on the video board and just being able to kind of take that moment to take a deep breath, slow things down and realize that what you're doing isn't fulfilling a run of show or getting through a script every night. It's creating these beautiful moments that are going to last a lifetime for people, for other people. And that's what baseball is all about. It's about building relationships between In my case, it started as mother and son. My mom and her family were diehard Red Sox fans all the time. The games were always on at Nana's house, at Nana's house too. Both sides of the family as we're swimming in the pool on Sundays. I remember watching Derek Lowe throw a no-hitter against the Rays and being hooked. And that was it. And it's all about – that all starts with building relationships. So to be able to take a step back and – see it happen in real time in front of us, how proud a parent is of their kid being the junior announcer, for example, there's nothing that can beat that. I would just like to add to that real quick too, along with making those kind of memories. I mean, TQ's hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Right. Cause like I said, my first ever game, I was here when I was, you know, no more than six months old, my dad had me on his lap and they played the YMCA at McCoy and my dad started doing the YMCA with my arms and they put me on the video board with me and my dad and my family there. And I was sitting there last season and I was like, wow, like now doing the YMCA. (laughs) Now (laughs) I'm doing the numbers on the scoreboard. And it was this whole full circle moment. And TQ is absolutely right. Like doing those things like the junior announcer and even having kids come on the field for like the piggy bank pursuit or like the table talk pie. It's those little things that's not baseball that makes the ballpark experience what it is and it's absolutely it's awesome that we can provide that for people and and dave if you want i'll I'll get behind you the next time they play the ymca and i'll move your hands for you if you (laughs) create that moment um tq you talk about taking the step back and really there's some professional athlete you know applications there because what is the one thing that all athletes do after a game they go back and watch video and now um even with you know last year we had one game where we had a stellar bat boy out there who you know made just amazing plays and just was really out there just making it happen uh hopefully you were able to walk, go back and, and evaluate your performance i've done the same thing as you know whether it be on music or anything else that i do but tq you're now starting to make more and more inroads whether it be on tv or the radio broadcast and everything going back and evaluating you're right 
you want to take that step back just to make sure because it's a whole different perspective. But uh, that's such a key element, I think, that you guys have, have really done a great job and, and everybody Thank in you. the team, because, you know, whether it be from the ambassador's side or the folks in the front office, the season ticket side, whatever it may be, everybody always tends to take a step back at some point to to evaluate, to make sure, OK, did we you know, what did we do right? What did we do, you know, maybe not so right? And, and what do we have to adjust to make it even better? Right. And that's really hard to do, especially for me personally, as a young person coming into this industry, coming out of college, and for lack of a better phrase, being young, dumb and hungry, and thinking I know everything, uh, to kind of reprogram my brain to go, hey, even if I'm trying my hardest to get everything done, and mistakes are still made, at the end of the day, just going, well, I tried my hardest, there's nothing more I can do, isn't helpful, really, you know, and it, it takes a while to kind of recognize that and try to correct it. And it takes a lot of patience with yourself, a lot of accepting your mistakes and flaws as a human being, and recognizing that, yes, it's a great show that we put on great couple of shows, a TV broadcast and in game show we put on. But at the end of the day, it's around including like pregame show contestants, interviewees, everybody. It's around 100 human beings that are coming in here, whether they're full time, mostly part time, just trying to have fun and create these moments and mistakes are going to happen. And just knowing that we're all pulling the same rope in the same direction. So it's, it's always fun to kind of revisit and say, not say, hey, we did this poorly, we need to be better, but even if it's a, okay, I think if we try something new here, that might create a more powerful moment. No, absolutely. Well said. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt like I was rambling. You know, you did it. No, you did a good job. Sometimes you start talking, you don't know where the sentence is going to end. And you yeah, know, it's been my life just interviewing people and, and doing a lot <laughs> of this stuff. This is the Woo Sox Insider. My guests today are Dylan McCaffrey, Tom, uh, Tim <laughs> Cudadamo, and Dave Leonardi. I was waiting to and, say and uh, <laughs> leave it to Ben to come on the podcast, interview us. Yeah. Us Dylan, I'd like to get everything. your thoughts on the upcoming election. Do you think the red wave is coming and go? Um, okay, Ben, I have a question for you then. Yeah. So I know last year in the first month of the season or so, I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not that intelligent. Uh, we had limited capacity at the park for fans. This year, full capacity straight out the gate. We started midway through April like we were supposed to last year before it got uh, postponed for the start of the season. Can you just, cause you sit right there with the open window right next to me. Is it just me or does this ballpark just feel even more alive than last year? Cause last year, like it was the first year it's the testing everything out, seeing how everything goes. It all just feels so much more put together this year and it just feels way more alive if that makes sense it certainly does and i think i think part of that has to do with many of us you know we didn't have the opportunity a to look around too much to observe what was going on because we were learning the new control room we were learning the ballpark and we were learning how things function and you know you even go back to janet marie smith who designed the ballpark and larry lucchino and dr charles and everybody saying okay we got through that first year okay well, we can put that that power alley in out there. We can get some more seats in here. We can change some things here and there. And 
yes, having more people in the stands help and having, you know, being the leader number wise, not by percentage, but number wise of all minor league, uh, the last homestand for Friday, Saturday and Sunday attendance. That is insane. I mean, that I can't tell you the last time that happened in the franchise's history. That's huge. And that means people want to come here. They want to experience it. And at some point, the percentage of first timers to, you know, this is, you know, the recurring visit, those those percentages will eventually go down and this will become, you know, people will come here like they used to, you know, go to to, to do something else. They'll, they'll be regulars here. But we're seeing that energy maintained because I think from the employee, the staff, the team's perspective, uh, they're putting it in just as much to deliver on that constantly. And I mean, let's be honest, we've got a quadruple A ballpark. This is something that is unheard of. Uh, you know, the, the different I mean, restaurants in the ballpark that change per week. I mean, imagine being a season, a season ticket holder and you all you have access to is ballpark fare every week. Well, we've t- we've done that completely different. We've got a restaurant with all the equipment, state of the art, thanks to, you know, Mr. Russo and and the different people who kind of advise and our teams there to say, OK, we have an, a West African restaurant in there. Now we have uh, the, the food truck Ziggy Bombs in there. We had yep. Lock 50 in there. We're going to have, uh, you know, and, and just changing up. Coming up this week, we have Chashu Ramen and Izakaya. Yeah, in there. I mean, it, it, Japanese it's, it's fusion. A, we have an actual pizza place in, in not not the frozen pizzas, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you know if, if that's what you enjoy. But they're stretching the dough. They're making you an actual pie there. You got the barbecue place. You got Coney Island there. I mean, this is just such a unique, different place, and even beyond the baseball, because you, you kind of look at the crafts, the craft family up at Gillette. When he bought it, he said, okay, I've got a venue here that's used 10 days out of 365. We need to take this and make it 365 out of 365, where we were at 70 out of 365 with McCoy trying to do events here and there. But, I mean, God forbid it rains. Grace, who used to run the events, you know, she would have to call these people and say, look, we can't have your event because it's raining. And we don't know how the water's getting into the batting tunnel, but it is. And it's, a, you know, you, you, you bring swimsuits and, you know, life jackets if you go in there. But. But you have this event space now that is just growing and you're seeing the multiple areas. You can have so many events happening at once. We had the autism walk. People don't realize it, but this stadium has over 175 speakers, meaning, you know, the the things that project sound. You can individually control those. And when we had the autism walk, I heard people and my wife works with, you know, a lot of families. So it's a big thing. I heard families saying this is awesome this is so good because my child my loved one the person i care for has audio sensory issues you don't have to have it blasting because the speakers are blown and there's only 20 of them there's 175 you can be very you can be very so laser focused and pinpoint detail those elements that have all gone into this is what's making this ballpark a huge success to dave's point it's making that crowd feel alive it's making everybody have that experience of, wow, I want to be here. I want to be part of it because it's always something cool and new. And so how that, ah. you know, that, you like that? And yeah. I speak professionally, yeah. but that whole, <laughs> that whole, that whole thing all really ties together when everybody's on the same page and everybody's following the same mindset and has that focus, you, 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 you're going to go places. And trust me, this ballpark is, is going far beyond 
what my existence will be there, what your you guys' existence will be there. It's this is this is something really special. And believe me, a lot of people, a lot of people are taking note of it. Absolutely. Empire to last a thousand years. Right. <laughs> a lot and of people have, taking note of it for sure. Go ahead, decaf. I have one more question for Ben, and it's uh, a very important one. Uh, when eventually I make the movie or more likely the sitcom of this workplace, this park, who's playing you? Who am I casting as Ben DeCastro? I uh, well, I mean, geez, I don't know. I mean, James Earl Jones. I like oh. that. We, we look alike. We walk into a bar together. People think we're identical twins. So you know, perhaps uh, <laughs> maybe that maybe that's the case there. But uh, you know, the 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 and the other point I want to break out too is. The family element of this park has been incredible uh, with the with the little playground. Um, I, we went to an event one day. We brought our little uh, our little daughter, Callie, and she, that playground is so simple, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It is so it is so simplistic, but it's perfect. It's exactly what you need, the space and everything uh, that just that makes a whole huge difference. Yeah. Josh. <sighs> oh, <God>. oh. <sighs> You went, you went Star Wars. I was gonna go That's the James one constant throughout yeah. all time is baseball. <laughs> but Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We have our day of game meeting starting soon, so we're let me know how run. that goes. Yeah, we'll do. I'll, oh, I'll keep you updated. I Thanks. normally try to. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Woo Sox Insider Podcast. As always, single game tickets are on sale now or half seasons mini plans whatever you want come here ben in person rattle the rafters at polar park you can go online to woosocks.com or call the woosocks ticket office at 508-500-8888 that number again is 508-500-8888 thanks everybody for listening love the three of you guys and love everyone listening at home at least until i get to know you so absolutely we'll see we'll see you at polar park real soon Oh, woo socks.